Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. If you've been with us for over the last couple of weeks, I hope you have. And like Alison said, if you haven't, we'd love you to go back on YouTube and to catch up. In week number one, we looked at this certainty, okay? We live in an uncertain world right now. And we looked at this certainty that every day is an invitation from Jesus to follow Him. And in week one, we looked at Jesus as a rabbi, as a Jewish rabbi, using this phrase that everybody would have understood, come follow me. And we said in week one that you don't have to believe to even follow, you just have to follow. You don't have to behave. In fact, you don't have to change in order to follow because that's what religion says, change then follow. But Jesus says, follow then change. And the invitation every single day of your life in the uncertainty of what's going on with our government right now, in the uncertainty of what's going on in our world right now, you can be certain that every single day is an invitation from Jesus to follow Him. But there's even more certainty than that because last week we looked at this certainty that every day is an opportunity to deepen our relationship with Him. When a Jewish young person would go and follow a rabbi, they they didn't just want to go where the rabbi went. They wanted to, to do what the rabbi did. They wanted to become just like the rabbi. It's all about relationship. And we looked last week at three powerful pictures in the Bible uh, that kind of invite us into this relationship where you can hear His voice, you can know His power, and you can experience His embrace. Now I have to say, I've just told you the last two weeks, it took me a lot longer to do it, okay, in real time than just that little synopsis. But here's the question that we're asking at week three, and we're asking this question. How do you know if you're still following? What's the evidence Because we said in week one and week two that actually for us saying that we're a follower of Jesus is not enough. It doesn't matter whether you have followed. The most important question is, are you following right now? Many people, many followers of Jesus over the last couple of years have kind of pressed unfollow and they've got disconnected from church and from relationship and many disconnected from God. And the question isn't, have you followed once upon a time? The question is, are you still following right now? You see, this whole kind of rabbi thing is so important because the rabbi invited his disciples or his followers to follow him. And they use this phrase called, you'll be covered in the dust of the rabbi. In other words, you won't just go where I go, but you'll become like me and you'll, you'll actually end up doing what I do. And here's the genius of Jesus. I know you've ever thought about that. I'm reading a book at the moment called The Genius of Jesus and it's so good. And the genius of Jesus is this, that the genius that Jesus had is transferable. In other words, think about some geniuses that you know. So think about Picasso. You could spend three years with Picasso. It wouldn't mean that you'd be able to paint like Picasso. You could spend three years with Mozart or Beethoven. It wouldn't mean you could create music like Mozart or Beethoven. But these followers of Jesus spent only three years with Him and they went on to change the world. They did what He did. They were called little Christs. That's where we get the word Christian from. They were called little Christs at Antioch. In other words, they didn't just say the words, they walked the talk. They were just like Jesus. His genius was transferable. And which brings us to certainty number three that I wanna focus on today, and it's this. Every day is a chance to change the life of someone. 
In our uncertain world, when we don't know what's going on, we can wake up every single day with this certainty. Today is an opportunity to change the life of someone, including your own. And when it comes to this uh, whole thing about changing your life and changing the life of other people, the, the two things I wanna share with you today are really connected to the evidence that shows that you're a follower of Jesus, okay? So the evidences that you are still following are also the keys to how you and I can change other people's lives in, with the power of Jesus flowing through us. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I wanna say to you, this is what a follower of Jesus should look like, okay? We're not perfect, okay? Many people say, anyone ever had someone say to you, oh, you're a, you're a Christian, but you're a hypocrite? I just wanna say, yeah, along with everybody else on the planet, because we all are, aren't we? But actually, we're not, we're not perfect, but this is what we're meant to look like. And I wanna show you two bits of evidence. And the first one is this, you will know you're following Jesus by the clothes that you wear. Now, before you look around at each other, okay, I don't actually mean the physical clothes because what happens is many people think Christians are Christians by the clothes that they wear. And this is the classic thing for me when I was growing up as a kid. Everyone thought that this is what you wore when you were a Christian, white socks and sandals. Now here's the funny thing, right? It's back in. Well, not exactly those sandals, but the white socks and the sliders is cool apparently. And I was always thought that was really uncool. And I have a theory about fashion. Wear whatever you want to wear eventually you'll be in again. That's my theory. Some of you, that's the theory you're modelling today. Okay, so basically just wear whatever you want to wear and eventually it'll come full circle and you'll be in. In fact, we asked a question in our online audience and some of you uh, have answered it. What was, were some of your fashion nightmares or your fashion mistakes when you were growing up? I'm sure we've all got many. In fact, if you're in a Connect group, love you to think about that for this week in Connect group. Maybe take a picture along of you in that absolute, did I really wear that? Did my hair really do that? Did I actually go out of the house dressed in those kind of clothes? And sometimes people think that Christians are Christians because they wear, but actually we're much cooler now. So Christians wear cool stuff like this. And does that mean that you're a follower of Jesus because you wear a cool top like that? Well, actually some Christians wear things that aren't cool. They actually are absolutely shocking like this one. Mayo light shine for Jesus. It gets worse. It gets worse. This next one. Catch up with Jesus. Lettuce, praise and relish Him. I know it's getting worse because He loves me from my head to my toes. It's awful, but I have to say, this is the most disturbing one for me. This one. I put the stud in Bible study. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And there's something about like wearing clothes. That's not the clothes that I'm actually talking about. But you see, there was a guy in the Bible that actually did say to the early followers of Jesus that you will be known as a follower of Jesus by the clothes that you wear. Now, this guy was a Christian hater. He was a Christian hunter who actually had an experience with Jesus that totally transformed his life. And maybe out there you're watching online and you don't get the whole Jesus thing. This guy didn't either. And God impacted him and changed him completely around. His name was Paul. And he wrote to some early followers of Jesus and some, and some churches that were just starting out. And one of the churches he wrote to was a church at a place called Colossae. And we, we call it the book of Colossians, the letter of Colossians. It's a letter to those early followers of Jesus. And in that letter, in Colossians chapter three, Paul says these amazing, amazing words. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. 
Clothe yourselves. Here's that phrase. And it literally means like put on a garment, sink deeply into these garments. That's what it literally means. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And, and when, I, when I look at those, and I look at that list of those clothes, it's almost like this idea of going into a wardrobe and picking out some clothes. And I want to demonstrate that for you today. And I've always wanted to do this on stage. Okay, so here we go. Oh, I've just always wanted to do that. And there you go, my assistants. Little round of applause to my assistants here, helping us out. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. You can go. We'll, we'll let you know. All right. So Paul basically says there's a whole load of garments in this spiritual wardrobe that you and I can wear. And the first one he talks about is this one, compassion. And I don't know about you, but we desperately need more compassion in our culture right now, don't we? Just if you read on social media, watch the news, listen to people in the streets, we desperately need more compassion. And there's a verse that says that you know, when Jesus saw the crowds, and I think in our culture we say, when Jesus saw the crowds, He said to them, pull yourselves together, get over it. No, it doesn't say that. When Jesus saw the crowds, the Bible says He had compassion on them. And I want to give you some definitions of these things. And these are definitions not original to me. A guy called Andy Stanley from North Point. These are his definitions and they're so good. And he says this about compassion. It's when I feel others' pain or hurt, regardless of what they could have done differently. You see, many of us, we, we look at other people and we, and we say, well, well, if you'd have just done that, or if you'd have just not been quite so much like that, but compassion is when we feel other people's pain and hurt, regardless of what they could have done differently. I think you and I need some compassion. These are the clothes that we wear for a follower of Jesus. The second one is kindness. <laughs> Don't we need some more kindness in our culture? Anyone agree with me? I mean, oh my gosh, we are so unkind. We're so unkind with the words we say. We're so unkind with the posts that we post on social media. We're so unkind in our attitudes often towards other people. And again, great definition here of kindness. When I loan my strength to someone else, it's, 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 it's kind of like the, the kindness of God. The Bible says that God drew us with His cords of kindness. He loaned us His strength because He's so incredibly kind. And the third one is this incredible um, virtue, if you like, of humility. Now, historians believe, and they write like this, that Christians basically invented this as a virtue. In the ancient world, nobody was humble. And nobody even knew that humility was a virtue. And the way that they saw themselves and the way they saw others and the way they saw God, it was almost like they invented this virtue of humility. And again, this is a great definition. Seeing myself as I really am. Not like really low, but not really high. Seeing myself as God sees me, that's humility. And humility is incredibly attractive and incredibly important. And unfortunately, we don't see a lot of humility around at the moment, neither do we. And yet this is one of the garments that you and I can wear. And then, and then we've got this one. We've got gentleness. We've got gentleness. And the stereotype here of gentleness is someone who's soft or who's a pushover or who's naive. 
who's a little bit innocent, you know, but that's not what the word gentleness literally means. In fact, the original word here uh, at its root is, is the idea of a, a huge, like a stallion horse with incredible power that has been tamed. It's like power under control. In other words, you've got the power, but you choose to bring it under control for the sake of other people. This is how Annie Stanley says it. A decision to respond, not out of my strength, but to adjust to the other person. Gentleness. It's like, I'm not going to gear up because I'm stronger. I'm choosing to gear down. We talk a lot about freedom right now. Okay. In fact, on Friday, uh, it was my day off, but I was walking past the church and I noticed this rough looking guy, um, almost, I thought, graffitiing one of our banners outside the church. And I went to tackle him and it was Andy Hancock. Um, and basically what he was doing is it wasn't graffitiing. He was trying to take off a sticker that somebody had stuck all across our banner that basically was an anti-vax sticker and joined the resistance and all of this kind of stuff. And it's almost all about, and I get all of that argument, but almost like that pressure. You're taking our freedom, you're taking our freedom. Listen, you can be free from or you can be free to. Sometimes freedom is knowing you have power but choosing to adjust for the sake of someone who doesn't. That's freedom, gentleness. We need more of that, I think, in our culture. And really connected to gentleness is, I think, this one of patience, patience. Andy Stanley says this, deciding to go the speed, the next one, deciding to go the speed of the other person. Patience, the, the idea behind this word is, in, in the original language, is going long. Going along and, and gentleness and patience. Now, I promised last week when I spoke about my granddaughter that I wouldn't keep talking about her, so I'm not. But yesterday I was with my granddaughter and we were with Simeon as well, our 27 year old. As many of you will know, he has very complex learning disabilities. He has autism, ADHD, epilepsy, all kinds of stuff. And for someone like Simi, they're not known, people with autism to the level Simi has it, is that. People like Simi are not known for their empathy or their gentleness or their patience. But I tell you what, when I see him with Tally, the relationship they have is absolutely beautiful. He will slow down for her. He will wait for her in ways that he wouldn't for anybody else. He's gentle towards her. If she's got, ever got a little tear on her cheek, he'll wipe it away. It's, abs- it's like, for me, it's like watching God at work. It's like the gentleness and the patience that he has And here's the incredible thing, guys. All of these are much more attractive when they're not almost instinctive, aren't they? When we're not naturally like that, but we can find the grace by Jesus, by following Him to actually be these things that He says we are. And the final one that we're looking at is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And we know, or we think we know what forgiveness is. But Corrie Ten Boom, that famous lady that was in the Second World War in concentration camps in Nazi Germany, she wrote this incredible thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. And she wrote that, and someone that knew firsthand what bitterness can do to the human heart. And and Paul says, you know, if you're a follower, you're going to evidence it by the clothes that you wear. So you're going to wear these clothes. But then he says, and then, but actually at the end of all that, he says, what you're to do then is you're to take this, this overcoat, you're to put this overcoat on, which binds them all together. And it's called love. 
You see, ultimately, we're going to be known not by the fancy words that we say, not by our brilliant buildings or our tech or our production, not by all of our projects. We are going to be marked as followers of Jesus simply by the way in which we love. And you know, people say to me, and often Christians say to me, oh, we need to go deep, we need to go deep. And what they mean often by that is we need more knowledge, we need more knowledge. No, we don't. We need not to go deep in knowledge so much. We need to go deep in intimacy with Jesus. And we need to go deep in loving like Jesus loved. And John put it this way um, in John 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples or my followers. And this is Jesus speaking. John's just writing what Jesus is speaking. If you love one another. And guys, I want to say to you that all of these virtues are great, but we've got to make sure we're putting on the overcoat that binds them all together. And that is love. A guy called Matt Emmons was a, uh, a, um, in the Olympic Games in 2004 and he was um, in the 50 metres rifle final. He was so far in front, all he had to do was literally hit the target and he'd win gold. And he did hit the target and he got a bullseye. Problem was he was in lane two and he shot into the target in lane three. He got a bullseye he didn't need to get, but because he shot at the wrong target, he ended up eighth, not first. I wonder how many of us as followers of Jesus are shooting at the wrong target. I wonder how many of us are, this is our theology and this is this and this is that and we're right and we're right. And Jesus says, yeah, you are right and you're completely wrong because you're shooting at the wrong target. By this will all men know that you're my followers by the way in which you love. And when we look at this, and some of you might be thinking, well, that's all very good, but I'm, now let me tell you, I'm not naturally any of them. Is there anybody there? I'm not naturally gentle. I'm not naturally patient. And here's the thing. I'm not going to do it by self-effort. It's by the closer I follow to Jesus, the more I am like Jesus, the more His character, because this is who Jesus is, will fill my life and be and worked out through my life. And the amazing thing is the less like these things we actually are, the more noticeable they will become. Isn't it? One of my weaknesses is my patience. I'm incredibly impatient as a human being. One of the encouraging things is that Alison knows me better than anybody who knows me for a long time will say, you are more patient than you used to be. That doesn't mean I am really patient. It means I am more patient than I used to be. That's the work of Jesus, nothing else. And for you and I, the closer we follow to Him, the more we are in relationship with Him, the more we choose to, hey, I want to react in a different way, but I'm going to choose to react with compassion, the more like Him will become. The more that we say, hey, do you know what? Oh, right now, I just need to grab hold of this garment of patience. Jesus, will you help me to be patient with this person who is doing my head in? And I'm married to them on all of that. That wasn't me. That was just like you. That wasn't me saying that, okay? So basically, what we're saying here is that when we live like this, then we evidence that we are followers of Jesus. But you know, when we don't live like this, and I have to say, so many Christians don't live like that. I often don't live like that. And when I read on social media and I read the hatred and the division and the polarisation and the judgment and the criticism, and I say, please, that's not evidence of a follower of Jesus. You see, a fan makes a point, but a follower makes a difference. Guys, it isn't all about whether we're right or not. It's all about whether we love or don't. And Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my followers, by the way 
in which you love. You know, when we put on these clothes, I think we're all dressed up and we've got somewhere to go. I really do. And I think our world is crying out for men and women who are dressed in these kind of clothes, these kind of virtues, with that overcoat of love and saying, I want to make a difference for the sake of Jesus and because I'm a follower of Him. So you will know if you're a follower over time, firstly, by the clothes that you wear, but secondly, by the choices that you make, by the choices that you make. A follower over time evidences that they are a follower by the choices they make. You see, here's the truth. You cannot choose all the time what happens to you, but you can always choose how you respond. You cannot control things that happen around you, but you can control your response. The choices you and I make will evidence whether we're just a fan or whether we actually are a follower. You see, to a fan, I think Jesus is one of many voices. There's the friends, there's the culture, there's the social media, there's the desires. But to a follower, Jesus' voice, and up in the name of, in the words of Chesney Hawks, some of you don't even know who that is, Jesus is literally the one and only. He's like, there's only one voice that is important, and that is the voice of Jesus. And I'm going to make my choices out of response to the voice of Jesus. And I was thinking about this, I was thinking, what are the areas in my life? And I want to share these with you. Firstly, decisions. Do we make our decisions, okay, because we think, God, this is what God would want? Or do we make our decisions out of what we want or what our friends want or what our culture tells us we should do? How many of our decisions, we're thinking about that at the moment in terms of spending money and what we buy and how many of our decisions are governed by what we think Jesus would want rather than what we want or what we think is what everybody else wants? And secondly, priorities. I think this is so important. The priorities you put in your life will evidence whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. You know, for me, giving financially is so important. I don't think I can honestly, genuinely say I'm a follower of Jesus if the way I handle my money doesn't in some way reflect that. You see, a fan will spend loads of money on the team they support. And we're saying a fan is one thing, but a follower is something else. And I wonder how many of us would, would say, hey, Jesus, look at my whole life and, and look for the evidence and, and would say, and here's my bank account and here's what I do with my money. And for us, giving to God through our local church, a percentage of our giving first before we do anything else has always been an incredibly important priority. Because to me, that, that kind of says that actually I want to put God first, not last, not with the leftovers at the end, but I want to put Him first with what's at the beginning. So giving, gathering with other believers, whether it's online, whether it's you know, in locations right now, whether it's here, I think that's so important. That's what's been so difficult over the last 20 months or so, isn't it? So hard. And the reason I think that is important as a follower of Jesus is that, is that we know that following Jesus isn't a solo sport. It's a team game. And I need to be with you guys and you need to be with me and we need to be together to encourage each other, to spur each other on. And I'm really angst-ridden at the moment. And, I'm, and this is something I'm praying about a lot at the moment. There's so many Christians disconnecting right now in the world, not just in our church. And, and, and that's so sad to me. And I hear people say, pre-pandemic, people used to say, oh, I'm finding it really hard to get to church. Now people are saying, I'm really finding it hard to watch online. And sooner or later, you've got to say, no, 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 you're not finding it hard. You're just not making it a priority. 
And actually, if it is a priority in your life, you'll make time for it because you make time for all kinds of things that are your priority. So, so giving and gathering and serving is so important. And again, massive drop in volunteering and serving across our nation in every organisation over the last 20 months. And I believe this is the season where we say, hey, if we're following him, he ultimately is a servant who didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And then finally, just living, just the way in which we live. And again, using a football analogy, I'm always staggered when I go to a football game. I haven't been for a while live um, because of seeing Simeon on a Saturday. I'm always staggered um, the, the difference that people can be when they go through the turnstiles. Anyone ever known that? It's like this really mild-mannered accountant. All of a sudden, he's like, Brrr! I'm like, oh my gosh. And I've been with people who are so quiet, but through the turnstiles, they're like a different person. And then when they go back through the turnstiles, they go back to this, and there's like two people. Many of us as followers of Jesus are like that. It's been called enthusiastic dualism, which basically is I'm like this here, but I'm like this here. You see me in the pub and in the club, I'm that person. You see me in the church and I'm that person. And I tell you what, look at the two different people. They look like two different people, but they're one. And for me, living a lifestyle isn't just about what I'm like when I'm on a stage, my goodness. It's about who am I when no one's looking. It's about who am I in the dark. It's about who am I when I'm not on a stage. It's about who am I in every other part of my life. We are followers of Jesus. We evidence it by the choices we make, our decisions and our priorities. And then thirdly, our reactions. Life is all about how we react to what happens to us. Let, let me just, and I want to read this because I want to get this right. Let me ask you guys, where or who do you turn to for comfort? Where's your instinctive go-to for comfort? Is it work? Is it the fridge? Is it the bottle? Or is it Jesus? Where, where, where or who do you turn to when you're in pain? Because hurt people hurt people, don't they? But Jesus has come to me. You know, not as you should be, but as you are. Where, where or who do you turn to when you're sick? Doctors are so important, but Jesus is also a healer. Where or who do you turn to when you're sick? Where or who do you turn to when you're in trouble? You know, are you one of those followers of Jesus that's tried everything and then says, oh, I ought to pray? Or actually instinctively is our first port of call, Jesus, I turn to you when we're in trouble. What about when we're confused? What about when we're looking for meaning or purpose in life? Over time, followers evidence that they are followers of Jesus by the clothes that they wear and by the choices that they make. I am the last person in the world to ever criticise leadership because I know how hard leadership is. I do believe we are in a massive crisis of leadership in our country. Moral leadership and across our world. And occasionally characters pop up that you just see model something different. Last Monday was Martin Luther King Day. And uh, Martin Luther King... Junior was not perfect at all. If you know his story, I know his story well. Um, I've been to where he was born many times. In fact, a few years ago, uh, I was over uh, in America at some conferences and as, as kind of Jesus allowed me to happen, I, I was able to go on this kind of 1400 mile pilgrimage uh, to where he was born, where he was raised, to Birmingham, Alabama, where he was imprisoned, to Montgomery, uh, to where he was imprisoned, to Selma Bridge, where there was that whole thing. And to literally to follow in the footsteps almost of this guy. But when I look at this guy as a leader, here's someone that didn't just say the way, he showed the way and he became the way. And I think 
and, and, it's, it's a, a, and it, you know, we're talking about Jesus, not Martin Luther King. But Martin Luther King actually pointed to the fact that a human being can, can be someone that doesn't just say about what should happen, but actually do what he says. And I want to just share a few of his quotes with you as we come into land this morning. This one, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. I want to say, guys, follower of Jesus, if you're watching online, up at Rowley, Hagley, online, wherever, here in the room, when we post on social media, let's remember that, eh? Because I tell you what, that's the kind of quote and story and truth that our world needs right now more than anything, isn't it? Putting on the overcoat of love. This second one, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? Just a week or two ago, and I asked her permission to share this. She won't want me to say this to kind of big her up in any way. But Alison was walking through the Cornbow and just outside B&M, there was um, a, a, a big kind of display of cheesy crisps, okay? And there was a rather large elderly guy in his 80s who was struggling and he sat on, on the bunch of cheesy crisps to kind of hold him. And unfortunately, they didn't. And so he hit the deck. And Alison went over to help him. And other people, she said, were so good coming and helping him. And they thought, do we call the paramedics by the time the paramedics get here? So anyway, in the end of the thing, she's talking to him and helping him and they unable to get him up and he was okay. And they got him home. But while they were chatting with him on the ground, while Alison chatted with him on the ground, he said this, I have nobody. I have no family, nobody around. So Alison was able to take his number and call him later, say that we're a part of the church, check up on him in the week, say we can drop stuff around, which was great. And he was really grateful. He also did say while he was on the floor, it's been a long time since a blonde has asked for my number. <laughs> all right, so even though he was lying on the floor, he, he still had his sense of humour, all right? But, but that's, that's a small thing. And Alison wouldn't want to say that to big herself up. But just to say, in our life, guys, in our walking around, what are we doing for others? Or are we so busy that actually we don't have any margin for others? It's a hugely important question. This third statement is so important. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Just over Christmas, I was um, sat in a coffee shop with one of our young adults. Um, she has been part of our church. She now lives in London and uh, she's African. And um, we get on really well. And we were chatting in this coffee shop and uh, we were chatting and we've chatted many times about Black Lives Matter, about racism, about injustice, etc., etc. And I know there's lots of many views about that and I understand all of that. But as we were chatting, I said, <laughs> I said, but, but it's kind of better now, isn't it? Like it feels like it's getting a bit better along that kind of narrative. And she looked at me and she says, you're a white man. You're a white man. And she didn't say it in a hateful way at all. We're so good friends. And I said, okay, that's true. Later on, about two hours later, I had a message from her to say, you know that conversation we had about how things were getting better? She says, on the way home on the bus, a fella asked if he could use my phone. And because of COVID and all that, I said, I politely declined. He then racially abused me. And some of the words he used were shocking. And then when I got off the bus to get off, literally not at my stop, but just to get off the bus, he spat at me. And he spat at her because she was black. Guys, it's not enough for us not to be racists. We need to be anti-racists. And it's not enough for us to be silent because our days, our lives begin to end the moment we are silent about things that 
matter. And I think a follower of Jesus is someone that with the clothes that they wear and the choices they make, they go out to make a difference, not to make a point, but to make a difference in the lives of other people. And finally, and this is so powerful, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And guys, right now, we stand at a moment in our culture and in our world of challenge and controversy. And I want to use something that was used in the House of Parliament this week to say something different. But I want to say this, in the Name of God, go. In the Name of God, we have to go into our world, don't we? Clothed with this kind of clothing, making the choices, that evidence that we're followers of Jesus, not to make a point, but to make a difference for the one we say we follow. The question is, are we available and are we willing? I wanna invite you here in the room and in Hagley and Rowley as well, and Clibbury, why don't you stand with me? Stand with me and I'm gonna give you a little bit of a moment to respond before we sing. Just, just in your own heart, in your own life and I'm challenged by this stuff. You know, if you're not, I am. Because I know, I know how easy it is for me just to operate in my natural self and rather than, than according to the one that I say I'm following. But I also know the closer I'm following to Jesus, the more like Jesus I am becoming. And if rather than responding out of frustration or hurt, I choose those clothes of kindness and gentleness and compassion and, and love and, and I make those right choices and reactions and responses, then I reckon I'm in danger of my life being changed, but maybe helping to change others' lives as well. And wouldn't that be amazing if literally there's hundreds of us around today, wouldn't it be amazing if literally hundreds of us went into our world following the one we say we love and asking Him to lead us in such a way that not only our lives change, but so do the lives of others. And so my question to you today is, are you available? Are you available? Are you willing? Maybe you've stopped following. Maybe you know that actually your decisions and your priorities and your responses have been more about you than they have about Him. And maybe today you wanna just surrender to Him again today. So I wanna pray for you as we sing this song. Father, thank You so much for Your Word, which is so relevant and so real and so powerful. And God, we choose today to not just hear it, but to receive it and to act on it as well. And so God, we want to invite You, Holy Spirit, help make us willing. As we say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. In the Name of God, go. We will go in the Name of God. So Lord, would You help us in Jesus' Name. Amen. As we sing this song together, I want to invite you just at the start of this song while the band begin to play, maybe just to lift your hands out before God and just, just surrender to Him or just talk to Him and just say, Lord, I am available. I am available. And you might think I'm too old. You're not too old. You might think you're too young and you're not too young. All God requires is your availability.